From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good evening. Welcome to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior advisor to the president here of the Family Research Council and extremely honored to be filling in for Tony this evening and pleased so much that you are on board with us. Hope you've had a fantastic day. And now get buckled up. We've got a great edition lined up for you this evening. Uh, Let me give you some of the highlights that we'll be discussing. It has been a whirlwind of a week for everyone dedicated to defending life. And just breaking news, just about an hour ago, the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito issued a temporary stay. Listen, it's going to keep the chemical abortion pills on the market while the Supreme Court decides whether or not it's going to present a formal stay. So this interim period is going to last until midnight next Wednesday. And so there's going to be a lot of activity in the next several days about this. Of course, all of this is coming about after the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals kept intact portions of a decision to restrict chemical abortions earlier this week. We'll be joined here in just a little bit by Congressman Ralph Norman to discuss all of this and more. And then as the transgender crusade continues to force its way across states with an ideology that most Americans reject, we are seeing a ton of activity pushing back against it. In fact, next week, Republicans on the Capitol Hill floor in the House, they will attempt to move forward a measure to protect women's and girls' sports. Thus far, there have been 20 states that have passed some sort of fairness in women's sports bill, Um, Kansas being the most recent, with 15 protecting the collegiate level, which is huge. Um, At the federal level, this one's tricky because we have an administration in the White House right now who is actively working to rewrite Title IX. That was former NCAA swimmer Riley Gaines. She was speaking yesterday on the fight for fairness in female sports. FRC's Mary Beth Waddell will give us the latest update on that issue. And then Big Brother, Big Government, might be coming after you. In fact, coming after all Americans. Lawmakers are literally attempting to hijack a bill that bans TikTok. And the hijacking would make this legislation uh, something that federal agents could use to monitor Americans' Internet communications and cell phone use. Now, some say that we ought to have a broader bill that would not actually ban TikTok, but would give new authority to the executive branch and leave it open. I don't agree with that. My view is we should act decisively to ban TikTok directly. We shouldn't give new open-ended authority to federal bureaucrats. That was Senator Josh Hawley late last month sounding the alarm just before the Senate went into recess. Brigadier General Blaine Hoyt will join me with the details of what's coming up on that issue. And then we're going to close today and close the week by celebrating yesterday's victory in Florida. Have all members voted. Have all members voted. The clerk will lock the machine and announce the vote. 70 yeas, 40 nays, Mr. Speaker. Show the bill passes. Amazing. I'm sure you've probably been keeping up with that, but that was Florida's Senate Bill 300, the Heartbeat Protection Act. Passing the Florida House of Representatives yesterday by a vote of 70 to 40. 
And then just hours afterwards, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed that legislation into law. I'll be discussing the bill with John Stenberger, who is the president of the Florida Family Council. And also we'll be talking about how we can continue pushing to protect life of the unborn. Mary Zock, who's the director of the Center of Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council, will join me for that. Friends, listen, we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, but we're making tremendous progress, and you do not want to miss the conversations that are coming straight ahead. So we've got a lot coming up. Just by way of reminder, if, if any portion of today's program you happen to miss, you can always catch it by going back to our website, TonyPerkins.com. And, of course, there's lots of action items for this and other shows there at the website, so be sure to check it out later. All right, let's uh, jump into our first topic. As I mentioned at the top of the program, it's been quite a week for the pro-life movement in America. First, we had the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, kept intact some key provisions of a federal district judge's ruling that protects women and girls by restricting access to these dangerous chemical abortion pills. Well, now, just a little over an hour ago, the U.S. Supreme Court has put all of this on hold. And then there's last night's signing of Florida's Heartbeat Protection Act, just hours after the legislation uh, passed, of course. As I just mentioned, the governor signed it. So our movement has a lot of momentum, uh, but we've got to stay vigilant. Uh, The left, you you can be assured, they're going to counterattack. Well, joining me now to discuss this and much more is one of our great pro-life stalwarts on Capitol Hill, Representative Ralph Norman. He serves on the House Budget Committee as well as the House Rules Committee and the Financial Services Committee. He represents the 5th Congressional District of South Carolina. Congressman Norman, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Congressman Heiss, glad to see you, and uh, we miss you in D.C. Well, thank you so much. It's great to see you. You're looking good. All right, let's start here. Uh, Just uh, some of your general reactions. We've had a lot of events happen in the last week or so in the pro-life arena. Uh, your overall thoughts with it all? You know, Jody, uh, and, and you saw this uh, during your tenure in, in Congress, you know, isn't it amazing the the people that uh, think killing children is health care? And you can say it with a straight face. I know when we had the, uh, when we had the oversight committee and uh, we asked the question of, is it right to take a child at birth and kill it? And they, you couldn't get an answer. But what's happened over the last uh, week, really, in Florida is a great thing. You know, Steve King championed the heartbeat bill when he was still here. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a, we have got life. And I say that literally, the unborn has life with things that are moving, with people that are getting behind it and are fighting back. And as you mentioned in the opening monologue, uh, you know, you've got to stay diligent with this. Uh, the left is unrelenting. They're loud, but they're just wrong. And to, to take the life of children through chemicals, uh, I was disappointed in the FDA, which has stonewalled any effort uh, to give any information out on what it does, which is basically starve an unborn, unborn child. Uh, but it's um, it's a move in the right direction with what, what uh, Florida did. And I hope other states will will follow suit. Well, you probably heard on my opening comments, but just a little over an hour ago, I don't know if you've been able to see much of the details of this, Mm -hmm. but the Supreme Court has put a temporary stay 
on the chemical abortion bill uh, ruling there in Texas. They're, go- they're just allowing a few days. They're going to end the decision by uh, Wednesday at midnight of next week. So it's just a few extra days for people to weigh in. Is this something you think was just kind of inevitable that the Supreme Court would just say, all right, let's let's hold back for a couple of days? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Pretty timid, really. I mean, it's it's good they're holding up on it, but it's pretty timid response uh, from the Supreme Court. You would hope for different a uh, different outcome, but it didn't happen. But it gives you that much. I mean, you know, you 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 it is what it is, and you take the time allotted and weigh in on it and and voice your opinion. And it's going to take Americans getting involved. But I think they're doing it all over the country on a lot of different issues, not just this. But there is none more defining uh, than the life of a child and upholding. Uh, upholding life. And I'm glad uh, at least people are getting involved now that where they never have in the past. Well, we're going to have to stay involved on this issue. And like you said, so many other issues that were, it just seems like a barrage of, of things that we're dealing with. One other thing that I want to hit on before uh, we shift gears here, but earlier in the week, uh, the Biden administration's task force on reproductive health care access uh, held their third meeting and Vice President Kamala Harris was there and I wanted to play this for you. I, I aired it earlier in the week, but I, I wanted to play it for you and get your reaction. Uh, this, this is the vice president here. I do believe that America is facing a health care crisis um, after the Dobbs decision and then given what has happened most recently uh, in the court in Texas. This indeed is a health care crisis in America. And we have to acknowledge and understand it to be just that. Protecting life is a health care crisis. Uh, can, can you imagine? I mean, how do you how do you even respond to this and your colleagues uh, there on in uh, Capitol Hill? Well, I respond uh, respond, Jody. She's dead wrong, as she is on has been on everything else. The facts of this case do not rely on the Dobbs decision. Uh, it turns it back to the states, and in the same case results were possible prior to this. This is about a chemical abortion with limited medical oversight. Tell me how that's healthy or safe for the consumer, or more importantly. Uh, how that uh, is is squares with not basically starving a child to death in the womb. So she's dead wrong as she is on most issues. And I assume she will be laughing about it later on. But uh, it's unfortunate that she's in the position that she is. But uh, she's dead wrong about this as she is on most of the other issues. Well, that's that's well said. All right, Congressman, if we can, let's uh, switch gears. You're on some of the major committees that deal with uh, national debt and where we're going in that regard. Uh, When Congress comes back next week, the debt ceiling, uh, the budget debate, obviously, these are going to be key issues once again. Uh, And when you're your service on some of these major committees, what do you expect is going to happen in these next uh, weeks ahead? Let me give you some encouraging new news, uh, Jody. We've been having we've been off for two weeks, but we have been having conversations uh, with the RSC, the Republican Study Committee, with the Freedom Caucus, which, uh, as you know, I'm a part of, as you were. Uh, and I guess Chip Roy summed it up: It's game time. Uh, it's time to severely get this country the spending cut, the cancer that's in this country is spending. And uh, with the debt crisis, uh, you know, it's, it began in January and mid-June. Uh, Janet Yellen could say at any time that we're here, uh, we've, you know, we've got to have the debt ceiling increase. So we're simply not going to let it get to that part. We are going to, over the next two weeks, we're going to get active on, on paper, putting uh, what the cuts look like, 
what our solution is to the uh, to the debt crisis, which are one-to-one cuts. Uh, and if we get all the cuts, the 500 amendments that the Freedom Caucus was a part of and others uh, submitted, which were over a trillion dollars, it'll start the uh, the spending crisis. It'll cut it, which is we've got to do. Economic security is national security. So that's the good news. Now, is uh, getting uh, 218 votes easy? No. But uh, we're going to work to that end, and I think we will. Look at all the crises we face. If we can't do this for the American people, cut the woke spending, uh, cut the uh, 85,000 IRS agent, cut the four to 500 million for a new FBI building, things like that, that should be easy. Uh, I don't know why we're up there. So it'll be an interesting uh, two weeks. And it's my thought and others, if we don't get it done in the next two weeks, we don't go away for a week. We stay in session until we come up with it. Well, good for you. You know, it's amazing to me how the administration now is bragging, literally, that inflation's around 5%, uh, which is still a triple what it was when Biden came into office. Only got about 30 seconds or less, actually. But, uh, uh, Congressman Norman, you think Republicans in the House are going to be able to pass a, a relatively strong debt limit bill? We're going to have to. Uh, the 20 of us have not gone anywhere. Uh, leadership is going to get, have to get behind it, Jody, because a Band-Aid is not going to cure the cancer that we have in this country. So we're at the end of the runway. I think we will. And I think we will ultimately, if along with leadership, hopefully leading on this, uh, we'll provide some sanity to what's been insanity for as long as I've been there. Congressman Ralph Norman, thank you for all your leadership. And thanks for joining us on Washington Watch. Thank you, Jody. All right, folks, coming up, stay ahead. We've got a lot to discuss regarding female sports, and the issue there is getting hot and heavy. You don't want to miss a bit of it. We're going to tackle it straight ahead right after this break on Washington Watch. Stay tuned. Everything we do begins as an idea. Before there can be acts of courage, there must be the belief that some things are worth sacrificing for. Before there can be marriage, there is the idea that man should not be alone. Before there was freedom, there was the idea that individuals are created equal. It's true that all ideas have consequences, but we're less aware that all consequences are the fruit of ideas. Before there was murder, there was hate. Before there was a holocaust, there was the belief by some people that other people are undesirable. Our beliefs determine our behavior, and our beliefs about life's biggest questions determine our worldview. Where did I come from? Who decides what is right and wrong? What happens when I die? 
Our answers to these questions explain why people see the world so differently. Debates about abortion are really disagreements about where life gets its value. Debates over sexuality and gender and marriage are really disagreements about whether the rules are made by us or for us. What we think of as political debates are often much more than that. They're disagreements about the purpose of our lives and the source of truth. As Christians, our goal must be to think biblically about everything. Our goal is to help you see beyond red and blue, left and right, to see the battle of ideas at the root of it all. Our goal is to equip Christians with a biblical worldview and help them advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square. Cultural renewal doesn't begin with campaigns and elections. It begins with individuals turning from lies to truth. But that won't happen if people can't recognize a lie and don't believe truth exists. We want to help you see the spiritual war behind the political war, the truth claims behind the press release, and the forest from the trees. Washington Watch, I'm your host Jody Heiss. Welcome aboard. We're honored to have you with us. Well, with Congress uh, coming back next week into session, House Republicans are expected to vote on the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. As it sounds, this is a bill that would keep biological males out of girls and women's sports, as well as their private spaces. And, you know, you look back at this over the years, and quite frankly, many folks, myself included, would never have anticipated that transgender issues would play such a prominent role in legislation even a decade ago. But uh, the intensity from the left over this uh, is just uh, really it's just taken over the Democratic Party and therefore it demands a reaction. We've got to respond to this. We saw the rage of the left just last week when NCAA champion swimmer Riley Gaines was literally assaulted by protesters at San Francisco State University, as she argued against biological men being allowed to compete against women and girls. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Mary Beth Waddell. She's the Director of Federal Affairs for Family and Religious Liberty here at the Family Research Council. Mary Beth, Mary Beth great to have you in studio. Thank you for all you do, and uh, we're honored to have you. It's great to be here. Thanks, well, well, listen, let's just uh, begin with why in the world is this bill that the House is going to be looking at next week, why, why is it even necessary in terms of how did we get here? It's just stunning to me that we're even dealing with these issues. Absolutely. You know, you already hit on a lot of this. It is really kind of shocking how important this bill is right in this moment. We've seen over the, the years a number of biological males uh, competing in what should be biological women's sports and taking titles, taking scholarships, taking opportunities. Um, and the, this administration and, you know, others have not, uh, schools, the NCAA, they've not done anything to try and protect these women. And so Congress is stepping in to say we need to protect women and Title IX and what it was meant to protect and make sure that women have equality of opportunity, they're safe, and, and all of these things. Yeah, not only have they not stepped in to protect, they, they have literally been on the other end of the spectrum pushing this whole transgender stuff in women's sports. And even to the extent, and I know hearings, I was at, they can't even, we can't even define a woman anymore on the left. 
in this country. So this this particular bill that the House is going to be looking at not only protects just the women's sports, but the whole private space issue as well. Is that correct? Right. The athletics, all athletic programs have to be done via strictly biological sex. Um, the only things that it would make sure are okay is if you have co-ed teams, that's perfectly fine because that's understood that men and women are on co-ed teams. And if you want the women want to scrimmage against the men because they know the men are better and it's going to improve their skills, they can do that. Um, but you're not allowed to give a biological male a spot or a roster spot uh, that's meant for a woman, which, yes, is going to get to ensuring that locker rooms are safe, that housing when you're traveling is safe. You're not going to have to share a bed with someone uh, who's biologically male and identifies as transgender. It's still just as stunning to me that we're even here. Do you have any clue understanding how this issue has so dominantly taken over the Democratic Party? What what in the world has possessed them, if you will, to embrace something that is so contrary to science as well as just common sense? That's a great question. I think, you know, there's just blinders and deception that has crept in um, from just hearing activists and even, you know, there's even demonic elements, I think, to this, you know, with just having blinders on your eyes to seeing the truth that the enemy has placed there. You know, as you were commenting earlier, this administration is on the opposite side of this. You know, they've recently published a notice of proposed rulemaking that they want to change Title IX. Um, and so this comes right in well, hand. Just clarify for our viewers and listeners real quickly, Title IX. To, what are we talking about here? Title IX was created 50 years ago to give women uh, equality, you know, we, women athletes. You know, at the time, there were only, it was 1972, there were only 300,000 female athletes nationwide. Wow. And right now you have 3.2 million high school female athletes. Wow. And so that has done so much for women to give them equality of opportunity. Um, and even our rights to vote are only 100 years old. Um, and so this is not a time to be going back on women's rights. So 50 years, all the women's sports really got kicked off. Yes. And now the attempt is to totally pull the rug out from under the feet of all these women athletes. Um, so with that, what do you what do you take of uh, last week? I'm sure you saw it. Riley Gaines speaking at San Francisco State University uh, shouted down and all she was there doing was standing up for women competing with other women. In sports, I mean, how more simple can you get? But she was shouted down, all this sort of, and then literally assaulted afterward. What does that tell us about the left and their passion, their willingness to go to what lengths to defend this cause? Yeah, I think it's just you're seeing this vitriolic response that uh, is uncalled for, and I think shows the the deception and the blindness that's been placed uh, over people's eyes. You know, Riley, uh, I've had the opportunity to meet her. I was able to to introduce her uh, at an event for the 50th anniversary last year of Title IX. She's wonderfully well-spoken, uh, very poised, very kind. Um, so you wouldn't think that she would elicit such a reaction. She's just telling her story and what happened to her. Um, but yeah, I think it just shows the vitriol. And even from those within the LGBTQ community who are part of this, I think it shows just that there really is a wound underneath that they're trying to protect. Um, because when you come close to it, there is a vitriolic reaction. Um, and so I think it even gets to that as well. 
Wow. Oh, listen, we've got less than a minute to go here, but there's some good movement across the country in different state legislatures dealing with this issue. Can you real quickly just highlight some of those for us? Sure. Um, And these bills are much broader than even the sports issue. They get at preventing uh, any of these gender ideology and these gender quote-unquote treatments and procedures for children, things like that. We now have 13 bills that have been signed into law. Um, And right now we have Nebraska that is really fighting for their bill. Um, The Some of the senators there have really dug in and trying to filibuster anything and everything, yet that bill has just made its way uh, through it to the last stage now of debate, and so we need to just continue praying for that. Um, And Missouri is on the cusp as well of passing a similar bill. Fantastic. Mary Beth Waldell, thank you for all you do and for keeping us up to speed on all this. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. Great to be here. All right, folks, stay tuned. We've got Big Brother coming after you, following you on the Internet in all sorts of digital manners. You don't want to miss this upcoming segment. We'll be right back after this brief break. All of us are born with the desire to find truth and meaning. Where did I come from? What happens when I die? While our answers to these questions may divide us, We are united in our need for the freedom to answer life's biggest questions and make life's biggest decisions for ourselves. That's why religious freedom matters for everyone. Religious freedom matters because the powerful have long wanted to control those who are less powerful. Religious freedom matters because the freedom of those who are different is often threatened by those who believe different is dangerous. Leah Sherabu, a Christian teenager in Nigeria, remains a captive of Boko Haram for her refusal to renounce her Christian faith. Chinese pastor Wang Yi is serving a nine-year sentence for speaking publicly against the Chinese government. All of this because people in power decided different is dangerous. the Center for Religious Liberty at Family Research Council. We promote religious freedom for everyone because the only alternative is religious freedom for no one. We encourage Americans and the American government to engage and advocate for the persecuted, and they do. We work every day to bring good news to the afflicted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. We do it because that's what Jesus does. We work to give freedom to others because we ourselves have been set free. Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, an honor to be with you this evening. Well, we have discussed on Washington Watch this week, there is a substantial and necessary bipartisan effort to uh, uh, block TikTok. Let's just put it that way. I mean, here we have a, an app that uh, there are serious concerns about the Chinese Communist Party and their control of the platform. But there is something underneath, an undercurrent that you need to be aware of. It's not all about just TikTok. There is a current bill that is being considered to ban TikTok, if you will, 
but it would also give federal agents full authority to monitor Internet access and cell phones without a warrant. It's called the Restrict Act. But there are a lot of other names being called for this. The Big Brother 2.0 Act, the uh, Patriot Act 2.0. There's a lot of names for this thing. It's dangerous. It's frightening. Joining me now to discuss this is fellow Georgian and uh, Brigadier General Blaine Holt. He is an Air Force veteran, NATO deputy, C-17 commander, a tech entrepreneur. He's a senior Newsmax contributor and the co-founder of Restore Liberty. Uh, General Holt, welcome to Washington Watch. It's an honor to have you, sir. Jody, it's it's an absolute pleasure to be with you, and a pleasure to be with you on Newsmax the other day as well. Well, that's right. We had the uh, good privilege to be together uh, discussing this very issue. Uh, and, you know, I referred to it as the uh, Patriot Act 2.0. You you go a whole lot further than that. You You have actually termed this bill, the Restrict Act, the End of America Act. All right, so uh, go on that. Why why is this yeah. so dangerous? Yeah, so 2.0 is a good starting point, but it, it implies that this is an incremental problem for our liberty, where the Patriot Act um, greatly restricted American liberties, uh, how we move, what we do, what we say, and when people can surveil us. Well, now uh, they're taking a problem, which is TikTok, a very valid problem, and uh, they put a line out there that would take TikTok out of American uh, society, and that's fine. And then we get to a Patriot Act on steroids, and so it's not incremental, it's actually exponential. And what I mean by that is the electronic invasiveness means that Big Brother or the federal government can then, anytime it wants, go and spy on your, and have its AIs spy on your social media, what you say, what you do, your banking records, whether or not you have a virtual private network, criminalizing you if you have a virtual private network, um, blasting right through your Fourth Amendment rights, your First Amendment rights, your Fifth Amendment rights, and they're not playing around with this. And they think that they have a right to do this. Um, It's completely against the Constitution, but that didn't stop them at the Patriot Act either. And it's really time to start holding these folks accountable to the federal government. This is just a symptom of the federal government getting far too big for all of us. And we really need to now wake up and and take charge here. And it's just so alarming that Republicans are getting into this. Yeah, we really do. And, you know, especially at a time where we are watching, General, we are watching a two-tiered system uh, develop of justice in our country, we're watching just this past week evidence come forth that the FBI has literally sent informants into churches to recruit informants to try to identify a supposed domestic terrorist. And isn't at the end of the day what this is all about for the these federal agents agencies to be allowed to spy on Americans in search of supposed domestic terrorism, but they get to define the terms. There's no warrant. There's no recourse. There's no due process. Uh, they could just more or less say, we got you, and you're in trouble. It, am I understanding it correctly? No, that's completely correct. And 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 what they'll do is they will chill speech, and they will create fear in this country like we've never seen before. But we've seen this play out right before our very eyes. If you look at the case of uh, President Trump, and Mar-a-Lago, uh, you'll see combat-laden uh, FBI people blasting through doors and big theatrical moments. 
Whereas in the case of the sitting president uh, for stuff that he did while he was vice president, you see a very gentlemanly approach of, well, maybe your attorneys could bring that over to us. And it just cascades from there down. But now it's coming to Main Street. Now it's coming to a place where the federal government feels it's entitled to go into your bank records without a warrant, without even probable cause. And if you think bad thoughts on social media, you better watch out because we're coming for you. Yeah, you know, listen, and, and our time is running, uh, getting thin here, but I have here in my hand a list of the senators who have signed on to this thing, uh, 25 of them. And the, the horrifying part of me is half of these are Republicans. So uh, what's your message to Republican lawmakers who who are seemingly supporting this? Yeah, you know, we're already seeing the uniparty is a real concept, and America really doesn't identify with either party. They're just sick of D.C. And to watch the Republicans who say they're the adults in the room sign on for this means they either didn't read the bill, which Lindsey Graham already admitted to, or or they're signing on for this, and they think this is uh, constitutional, and that's even more scary. And I just hope that those folks will at least come to their senses and take themselves out of this nonsense. Well, we've got to be informed, and we've got to encourage people to get involved. In about 15 seconds or so, what would you say to people in terms of what can they do to help with this situation? You know, the first thing you need to do is you need to go melt your switchboard of your elected representatives. You need to be on the phone every day to your representative or your senators, and really in an annoying way to say, we're not letting this pass. We in Main Street, we're, we're, we're done with this uh, assault on our constitutional rights. We're not going to have it anymore. General Holt, thank you so much for uh, your your leadership on not only this, so many areas, but thank you for your lead in this, and thanks for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. Thank you, Jody, and go dogs. All right, go dogs. All right, friends, listen, coming up, we've got great news to report coming out of Florida on the issue of life. Uh, we're going to celebrate and talk about it right after this brief break. It begins here. And here, and here, every day. Before you stand, you need solid ground. Standing in a culture that wants you to surrender the truth won't work unless you have a firm foundation. At Family Research Council, we have that firm foundation, and you can find us standing. We stand for the value of all human life. We stand for the right of families to flourish. Every day we stand for your freedom to believe and to live out those beliefs both at home and abroad. We work with government officials, educating them on the issues from a biblical worldview. And when necessary, we hold them accountable. We equip Christians across America to be informed and to take action in their communities. With our daily radio program, television appearances, and vast online presence, we reach people where they are. We envision an America where all human life is valued, families flourish, and religious liberty thrives. And that won't be realized if we're not standing. Stand for faith. Stand for family. Stand for freedom. Stand with us at FRC. I'm often asked by people, Tony, how do you stay encouraged? How do you deal with all of the stuff in Washington, D.C., the negative policies that are attacking our faith, our family, and our freedoms? Well, you want me to let you in on the secret? 
It's called the Word of God. And that is why the Family Research Council embarked on Stand on the Word, a two-year journey through the Bible. It's a chronological Bible reading plan with just 10 to 15 minutes a day. In two years, you will have covered the entire Bible. And to go along with this, Monday through Friday, I do a morning devotional that goes along with the reading of the day. It's all designed to encourage you on this journey because the Word of God, as the psalmist said, in my affliction, here's my comfort. Your Word gives me life. That is our source of strength. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com or FRC.org slash Bible. And I invite you to join me every morning for our Stand on the Word Bible Devotion. This fall, believers from across America will gather in our nation's capital. We'll hear from government leaders, policy experts, and leading Christian voices, learning how we can engage in government at every level, from local school boards to state legislatures to Congress and even the White House, to win back the soul of our nation. Join with us for the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit, Believe and Engage, September 15th through 17th. Register now at PrayVoteStand.org. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, good Friday to you. I hope you're having a great day, and we appreciate you joining us on this Friday edition of the program. All right, even as we are celebrating yesterday's victory in Florida, uh, many political pundits are claiming that the results of last week's Wisconsin state Supreme Court election, and I don't know if you were following this or not, but it was one where uh, an extreme left-wing judge uh, literally cruised to victory, and that put an end to 15 years of conservative control of the court there in Wisconsin. And it's being portrayed as some indication that pro-life candidates are going to face an uphill battle in this post-Dobbs era that we're now living. It's given, frankly, some Republicans a little bit of pause on how to message on the life issue. I think this is an extremely important issue that we must address are the pundits considering the big picture? And what, are the, what kind of tactics should those who are defending life consider in the light of what we've learned? So joining me now to discuss this is Mary Zox. She's the director of uh, Center for Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council. Uh, Mary, thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Good to have you. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, thank you. Listen, before we get into some of the specifics here, uh, share some of your overall reaction to the signing of the heartbeat bill in Florida last night. Well, it's a very exciting step. You know, the, the signing of a heartbeat bill signals that countless more unborn children will be saved. We know that the vast majority of abortions do take place early in the first trimester. And and I, I really love the significance of the heartbeat bill because it says an abortion stops a beating heart. It doesn't turn back time and make a baby no longer exists. It takes the life of a precious, unrepeatable child whose life has changed the world. And so in signing this legislation, Ron DeSantis will save countless more unborn children in the state of Florida. I'm really excited that he signed it. Yeah, it really is amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I, great wisdom, I think, in the governor for signing it immediately instead of letting this thing drag on and on and on. Uh, they, it passed 70 to 40. It went to his desk. He called in some people to uh, celebrate the occasion. He signed it, and it is what it is. And, uh, of course, we support 
big time, this particular piece of legislation, uh, but we support all pro-life legislation, and regardless of what the polls say. But I think what Governor DeSantis has done here is embrace a strong pro-life bill, uh, and that, I think, is something, and I want to put this out to you, don't you think that this is something that really pro-life candidates across the country need to look at and embrace and understand this is, in fact, a winning message. Absolutely. You know, I think we've seen a number of pro-life candidates decide to completely run from this message, to not say anything and stay silent. And what we know for a fact is that when you are completely silent, the other side, the pro-abortion industry, will paint you as extreme. Well, what's extreme is that they are in favor of taking unborn children's lives. And, and not only do they want to take unborn children's lives, they're willing to take an unborn child's life at any point up until the moment of birth. And even after birth, we didn't have a single Democrat in Congress stand up and say, you know what, infanticide that, that could have occurred in D.C. with the, the D.C. five that were found last year, the fully intact unborn babies that were found, we didn't have a single Democrat stand up and say, oh, that was wrong, and we need to do something about that and investigate it. And And our side needs to do a better job of pointing that out, of pointing out that we're on par with North Korea and China in some of our states, in states like California and New York, where they will allow the, the abortion of a child until its birthday. Well, you bring out some outstanding points there, Mary, and I, I want to kind of go back and underscore some of these. And if we can just dig a little bit deeper into it, uh, the, this whole pro-life message, particularly uh, coming off the heels of what happened last week in Wisconsin, is the attempt is to portray this entire message as the winning message. But you talked about silence is not a winning message. And when you look at what happened in Wisconsin, literally there was a vast difference, both of verbal communication and money spent on the Democrats on the one side who spent tens and tens of millions of dollars getting across a pro-abortion message, while on the other side, the, the conservatives in this race were kind of silent on this issue and basically did little to stand on the issue of life. So silence is the problem, not the message. We've, we've, we've got over 40 years of positive message, and we've seen Dobbs overturn. I mean, get, let's dive a little bit deeper into this from your perspective. Absolutely. The truth is on our side here. And, and we've seen the pro-abortion industry spend countless dollars saying that pro-life Americans want women who have life-threatening conditions to die because they can't get an abortion. Well, I have news for you. There's not a single piece of pro-life legislation in this country that does not allow a physician to perform a procedure that would save the life of a mother. And the other piece of news there is that those procedures are not abortions. We know that an abortion intentionally takes the life of an unborn child. And, and when we don't come out and, and say, you know, these statements are false and here's the evidence to prove it, we just hand the other side the victory. And I think we saw that in Wisconsin. What, what we saw throughout the, the states in the last election in 2022 was that the 11 governors who signed significant pro-life legislation in the past year, 
they they won. And and some of them by huge margins, like Ron DeSantis, who went on to pass further pro-life legislation. That's what we need. We need to come out and say the truth's on our side. Abortion kills an unborn child and forever changes that child's mother by breaking her heart and sometimes puts her life in danger as well. Well, last question for you, uh, Mary, just right in line with what you're saying. I I think the whole argument really needs to be framed from the perspective that we are defending the life of a child, not that we are anti-abortion. That doesn't register as much as this is a little baby with a beating heart. This is an unborn child. And the argument has to be uh, from the perspective of pro-life rather than anti-abortion. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. We're here to protect unborn children's lives, and we're we're here to help moms in need. That's what the pro-life movement has been doing since its founding. We know that every mother who carries a child, scientifically, she's going to carry a piece of that child with her, perhaps for the rest of her life. We know that DNA is exchanged between a mother and a child during pregnancy, And that doesn't change if a woman has had an abortion. And we know that abortion hurts women, that that psychologically and physically it damages women. We know that chemical abortion especially is dangerous for women. So we really do need to focus on what our side is doing, and that is spreading the message of truth and love that we need to protect unborn children's lives, and we need to do everything we can to stop the abortion industry from exploiting women. Mary Zock, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Uh, Great job. We appreciate having you. Thanks so much for having me. All right. As I mentioned, also at the top of the program, and we've been discussing throughout, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis last night signed into law the Florida Heartbeat Protection Act and then immediately went on and signed it. And this legislation, it was known as SB 300, it expands pro-life protections and Uh, At the same time, and we've not mentioned this yet, it devotes literally millions of dollars to uh, pregnancy resource centers throughout the state. And I want to talk a little bit further about this. Joining me now is John Stemberger. He is the president of the Florida Family Policy Council. He was there himself at the bill signing last night. John, welcome back to Washington Watch. Jody, it's great to be with you. Well, listen, first of all, congratulations on an amazing accomplishment. And we're thrilled to end this program today and this week on such a positive note. But I know you and many others worked tirelessly and literally for years for this moment. Had to be an incredible time to be at the signing. It is. It's an exciting moment in history, especially in Florida's history, but for the whole country. Because, you know, what happens in Florida doesn't stay in Florida We are uh, amazed, this session particularly, how we're seeing all over the country, groups are calling us specifically and saying, we have concerns about this bill, we have concerns about that bill. And so it's interesting because they know that what's going to happen in this session is going to be exported throughout the country. So we're very proud of the leadership of Governor DeSantis, uh, Speaker Renner, President Pasadomo, and all those that threw in to, to make this a moment possible. Well, and uh, yourself and many others as well should be added to that list. Uh, listen, now, my understanding, and, and fill me in on this, uh, there, there's an existing uh, 15-week uh, uh, abortion ban, whatever, you, whatever it's referred to there, that is, is it standing in the way before this heartbeat bill actually goes into effect? What's the status of that issue? 
So one of the unique things about this particular heartbeat build is that it doesn't have a date, time, place, day, month as an effective date. The effective date of the build has to do with five possible outcomes that could take place on the Florida Supreme Court, like them ruling that there's no privacy right of abortion in our formal constitution by them overruling and overturning TW, which is Florida's Roe versus Wade, and just basically saying there's no case law now in Florida that, that's been overturned that shows there's a right to abortion. And when the court hears that case and has five potential outcomes uh, that's listed in the bill, that's a trigger then for the heartbeat bill to go into effect. Now, Jody, there is uh, $25 million that's going to be going to pregnancy centers to help provide formula and diapers and baby clothes and counseling and all kinds of, uh, you know, basically rehabilitation to get into the workforce, all kinds of great services for mothers. But that that money is going to be available immediately. Uh, however, the actual six-week protection for unborn children, the time there's a heartbeat, that will not go into effect until the court overrules our bad precedent currently. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you for that clarification. And I want to underscore what you just said, because to my knowledge, I've not heard of another bill that does this. Uh, this bill not only is a heartbeat protection bill, but uh, you said $25 million are also in this bill to go to pregnancy resource centers throughout the state of Florida. That is remarkable. Do you know of any other state that has done anything like this, or is Florida leading the, the way? Well, uh, Texas does have quite a bit of money that goes not specifically to that, but goes to programs, ad programs that attract women or seeking abortions. Um, there are some other states that do this, but we went from $5 million to 25 man. So that's a huge jump. And Enormous. it just shows the state, yeah, the state is backing up what they're saying is that is we're going to both protect children and we're going to care for mothers. We can love them both, Jody. We don't have to throw the children to the trash. Absolutely. Well, listen, there, there's a lot in, I, I don't know if you heard the previous conversation I was having with Mary Zock, but uh, you know, there, there's a, a, obviously a lot of people for decades that have been on the front lines of this battle for life, uh, there's a little bit of hesitancy, it seems, right now with some. I'm certainly seeing some of it up here. Uh, it seems as though some legislators in Washington, after seeing what happened in uh, Wisconsin and the blame being placed on pro-life, which I don't buy that message at all. But we've got a lot of people who are watching and, and uh, listening right now. They're talking to friends, neighbors about the importance of this life issue. Let's get down to the issue. This is not a battle between abortion uh, or or a heartbeat bill. This is about a baby in the womb. This is about a heartbeat. What is so powerful in the message about the heartbeat that that really gives us a tremendous opportunity right here with this bill? Well, the beauty and the truth of fetal development is the most powerful tool that we have to help educate people and cast vision for why these laws are important. And, you know, 15 weeks, child can feel pain, but at really only six weeks, that child has a beating heart. There's blood going, that organ is developing, and really the entire growth process can't occur unless blood is delivered throughout the entire uh, unborn child, even as small as it is. And so uh, this is a beautiful thing. We have to show people that this is not, you know, in mommy's belly, it's not a blob of flesh. It's not a duck. It's not a Buick. It's a baby. 
right? And so the beauty of the ultrasound is that it shows in crystal clear clarity what's in mommy's belly. And it's a growing, developing human being. The abortion issue is the greatest human rights crisis uh, that we've faced in the last century. And so uh, I think we're, we will win when leaders like Ron DeSantis and others begin to cast vision and to help people understand this is positive. We're going to help mom and help the child. Adoption is always the better option. Jody, we have tens of thousands of married mothers and fathers who are qualified to adopt. They're going overseas to adopt children. And so we can adopt any child in America just like that. Even Down syndrome, there's quiet lists for parents that are willing to adopt Down syndrome children. Uh, and so there's no reason why mothers need to destroy their children. They can simply give birth to them. Uh, there's incentive there, economically speaking, and, and those children can be adopted into forever homes. John Stenberger, thank you so much. I got one last question. We've only got about 30 seconds. All right. You've been in this battle a long, long time. You've spoken to a lot of people. You've taught people. What do you say uh, to the, the the elected official or the person around the table uh, when it comes to what is the message that they need to hear? 30 seconds. You know what? William Wilberforce fought in the parliament. He was standing alone. He was the only member of parliament that said these are human beings made of the image and likeness of God. And we need that kind of courage, that kind of vision for legislators all over the country to stand up and say we are going to protect human beings uh, because they have the right to have dignity, worth and value. They're made in the image of God and the law should reflect that protection. That's what we need every legislator in America to do. Thank you so much for joining us on Watching to Watch. Congratulations for a great victory. All right, friends, that's all for this week and this edition of Washington Watch. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.